This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emmett Kennedy, joined in studio by At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Producer D is here as well. Hello there. And there is breaking news on the Final Furlong Podcast. Now, as this podcast is released, and you get it hopefully Wednesday morning on Apple Podcasts, AtTheRaces.com, and however else you decide to listen to it, Podcast Republic, Android, uh, the breaking news from the day before was the huge news coming out of Godolphin. So there was a big interview done with Said Bin Sarur, who's normally somebody who's fairly quiet. Um, he's somebody who I found to be quite open about talking about his horses and giving an opinion about them, but he's never really spoken about the operation in anything other than in a positive light, except in an interview with Lee Modished, where he just spilled all the beans. And if you'd asked me what's going to be the fallout of this, I would have said... Bye-bye, Saeed bin Saror. That is you done. And instead, it's John Ferguson who has resigned. So how have we come to this, Kevin Blake? Just a mad sort of story, isn't it? It's like a soap opera. Like reading that interview with, with, with Saeed the other day, and you'd say, geez, what's that all about? Because like you say, you know, Saeed, I remember when um, when Al-Zaruni got his marching orders for, for what he did, and Saeed kind of came back into the fore as the main man. I remember all the... The British media, especially rejoicing, you know, at the return of the gentleman, Saeed, mm. you know, cause he's he's very easy to deal with and uh, just a, just a gentleman, really. And um, it was just very strange, and you're kind of thinking that, that something's brought that on, you know, something that this means more than that than it seems on paper. And of course, today we find out what it means. And um, John Ferguson has resigned. John Ferguson, who's been with Sheikh Mohammed for. The bones of 30 years. Well, he, sure. he was his bloodstock agent for many years. He then shifted into the world of training himself. And then in 2015, to be, to be clear about it, in December 2015, he was appointed as uh, chief executive. And he was given, he gave the quote when he got that appointment that he was essentially instructed to give the racing and bloodstock operation a kick in the belly. He didn't have much time to do it. Right, let's, we'll wind this back because I was trying to put together a bit of a timeline there earlier on just to, to map out the Godolphin slash Starity operation and what may have brought us to this point. And I'm going to flag up a number of different milestones here. 2010, there was an interesting addition, I suppose, notable point in the history of Godolphin. And Mahmoud Al-Zaruni came into the fold. Uh, prior to this, it was a side bin Saroor operation essentially he would have been the name trainer training for Godolphin and in 2010 Mahmoud Al-Zaruni came in as sort of the second trainer and he enjoyed plenty of success to be fair to him um, alongside Said. Um, and then in March 2012 Miguel Barcelona and Sylvester de Souza got signed up which for, this is when Frankie's binned no no this bef- bef- a little bit before that but they brought the two of them in on top of Frankie okay and which was a bit unusual at the time. It kind of raised eyebrows. Remember Frankie had a bit of a raised eyebrow about all that. Well, Frankie left the following October. Mm. And I just I was just doing a bit of research. I read an interview with Frankie and then Frankie had, had his, his own problems with the drug ban. And he did an interview when he came back with Channel 4 
that was very critical of Mahmoud al Zaruni. This was after now Mahmoud al Zaruni's dro- own drug case had emerged. But here's a quote from Frankie. It, as in Godolphin, has been ruined by one person. He has ruined my career to start and now he has ruined Godolphin, referring to Mahmoud al Zaruni. So... Frankie clearly bore plenty of bitterness to, to Mahmoud Al-Zaruni. Perhaps Al-Zaruni was the reason Barcelona and D'Souza came into the fold in the first place. Um, but anyway, we, we move along in our sequence. April 2013 was when the Al-Zaruni case broke. Um, three days after it broke, he was worn off for eight years in perhaps the most hastily arranged uh, trial and sentencing <laughs> in the history of the world, basically, in the yeah. racing world, certainly. It was all very odd. Swift action was needed and it was taken. Well, no, you, you say swift action, but all these cases take generally take time. They're a very, very glacial process, yeah. whereas this one was bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> off, <laughs> off off he went. The, uh, the, 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 the lone gunman was sent away off to the desert, but <laughs> he got his eight years. With a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so, and look, I'm getting there, lads, but I think it's very important for context to yeah, take no, in it on, is. because you could mark all of this as being the start of, of the issues. Look, the, the Al Zaruni case was huge, monumental, not just for Godolphin, but for racing in general. Huge case. Um, Simon Chrisford, who was trying to steady the ship through all of that case, he left. Well, he technically left his post as racing manager in February 2014 to take on a a role as I think a global advisor that was mm. the title he might have got as we know Simon Christopher soon went off and started training himself um, so that was probably window dressing at the time and in the middle of all this John Ferguson took out his own licence to train I look I don't know maybe John Ferguson was there every morning training those horses but I know his son is a very integral part in in, in all of, it was a very integral part in all of that well, he's, he's assistant Charlie Appleby now, now since the, the Ferguson license was hand, was handed in um, and then of course 18 months ago they Godolphin and Darley Darley being the breeding arm Godolphin being the racing arm of Sheikh Mohammed's operations they decided to merge into one uh, one body Godolphin and John Ferguson was brought in was promoted I suppose we'll call it to be the big boss man and that's when he gave up his trainer's license and it merged and the thought at the time was to just make everything better to that the thing had become a bit bloated they had 4,500 horses at the time around the world between breeding stock and racing stock that's a lot of horses <laughs> and I think the the goal at the time was, was to streamline and bring it back to what what it initially was those that are that are old enough to remember elite horses that was it it was, it was designed to be an elite operation um, but over the years, when you're buying horse and train, you're buying yearlings, and um, you're keeping the nice ones to breed from, these things quickly get big and expand, and all of a sudden you've got four and a half thousand horses. Yeah, I do remember as a this is an aside as a racing nerd watching the old ATR, and Angus McNay and James Willoughby being on one night. There was a big American race on later that evening, but on the undercard there was a Woodman running for Sheikh Mohammed, and he was running in the Sheikh Mohammed colours in the states. And Willoughby was just shaking his head going, how do they pay $850,000 for this? Who, are buy- who is buying these horses for Sheikh Mohammed? Like, who is who is sanctioning these deals? And the horse subsequently got stuffed. Like, he was really critical of some of the purchases they made. And it seemed as though after Al-Zaruni was brought on board, they just started to spread money left, right and centre and try to acquire as much as they could. And to be honest, that's still going on. Well, look, they want success. Sheikh Mohammed wants to compete at the highest level 
They have a huge, huge breeding operation that's doing very well. The breeding operation is doing very well. They have some tip-top sires headed up by Dubawi, amongst many others. Tiafilo, New Approach, um, Exceed Excel. You can keep going. Yeah. Uh, not just in Europe, in, in America, in, in Australia. Their breeding operation is doing very well, but the racing operation isn't doing well if you want to compare it to the tip-top operators, such as, obviously, Coolmore, Ballydoyle. And they were at one point... Neck and neck with Aidan It was a good shake-up. It was a competition. Yeah, and, and there was a, a proper rivalry between Saeed Mansour and Aidan O'Brien. I remember RT did a documentary on Aidan and they interviewed Saeed about him and the measure of the man was how classy he was talking about him. But I also remember the day Frankie DeTori took the ride on Scorpion in the St. Ledger because mm. Kieran Fallon was riding Oratorio in the Irish Champion Stakes and Frankie does his usual celebration after winning a classic, jumps off the horse and then has to do an interview where he apologises for winning on the Coolmore owned horse and for acting like that and saying that he would never do that again. Mm. The man had to go and do an interview about that. Yeah, look, it's 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 just a really interesting case. And look, so, to, so take us back to the to the timeline. So So at the moment, John Ferguson is now in charge. Yes. He has his job is to streamline things and clearly Issues have emerged with Said bin Saroor. And if you want to speculate now, let's let's speculate for the crack. At the moment, based on what on Lee Motter said article, John Ferguson's son is the assistant to Charlie Appleby. And the insinuation, I think, from what, what Said said was that Charlie Appleby was getting favourable treatment in that he was getting a nicer bunch of two-year-olds than Said was getting and this was causing tension. And Said and John Ferguson haven't been having much dealings, it seems. Um, and that that is what has caused this tension. And look, there may be other stuff going on in the background too, because well, the, the James Doyle quote is quite is quite strange. That was a very strong quote. That's a very strong quote for a man who's still writing for Godolphin. Yeah, but I, I forget the exact quote, but it was some. Basically, he he was bemoaning the I fact. I was not happy. It was very hard to do my job properly. Hmm. A very strong quotes. But as well as that, you know, Ferguson having been given the job to streamline, that is the toughest job going because he's got to decide what to be, what has to be sold, what fat to trim. And anyone that is involved in the bloodstock world will very much know what's been going on in the last year or so in that there's just been hundreds upon hundreds of Sheikh Mohammed owned uh, breeding stock and racing stock going through the sales ring being sold to, to trim down the numbers and that is a horrific job to try and do because you know something's going to come out and bite you in the arse yeah. a horse and, and all the smart horses will come out and say oh what'd you sell that for forgetting how about did you sell that mare for, who ended up so, sorry, producing a group one I shot the prime example the, the horse that went to the breeze up sales um, Darley sold it as a yearling for $15,000 it turns up at the breeze up sales six months later for Willie Brown and makes 1.4 million yeah you know, and of course, you'll get the smart horses come out and say, oh, how'd you, how'd you possibly sell that horse for $15,000? But it's a process. It's exceptionally hard to do. And there will be breeding stock that were sold that will produce Group 1 winners. I'm sure of it. It's law of averages. They've sold so many mares. It's going to happen. And it's just a very tough gig. It's a tough gig. So and maybe there's some tensions have emerged because of that. Maybe this is just a clash of pers- personalities. Or a- well, you talk about tensions emerging. So the juveniles that he took in this year, his quote was to Lee Mottoshed, it's a disaster. I can't train them. Have no chance to run them. The system is not quite great this year. Yeah, I think he's saying that he got a very backward bunch of two-year-olds, whereas Charlie Appleby got the sharper ones. And um, that has clearly frustrated the life out of him. And um, yeah, it's just it's just... 
You wonder how much of this was Ferguson jumping or what was he pushed? I don't know. It appears that 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 he's that he's jumped. Well, he says it's best for everyone admitting his employment within the organisation had become untenable. Yeah, just a mad case, you know. And Joe Osborne now, who would have been the boss man on the Irish side of Godolphin, is now gone in as, as the interim uh, head man. And uh, I look, I know Joe well. I'm sure he'll do a great job. Um, but it's a tough job to go into. And it's just going to be interesting to see how this all pans out now. Because it's, it's, this is what, one of the biggest racing operations on the planet. And... Uh, they're in turmoil. There's no other way of saying it. They're they're in turmoil. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. From memory, was Suleimani in training with Pascal Barry and was then transferred to Saeed Ben Sroor. My point being, all of these top-class horses who Saeed Ben Sroor got, and he did a brilliant job with a lot of horses that he brought through himself. But there were a lot of horses who had done very well for Mark Johnston, who had done very well for other trainers, and were then transferred expensive acquisitions into Saeed Bin Saroor's yard. That stopped. That hasn't been done in recent years. Mm. Instead, Godolphin have decided, no, that horse stays with the trainer who has it already. Hence why Ripchester runs for Richard Fahey. Hence why John Gosden has been brought into the fold. They started it by, by having a French operation. And Coolmore actually left Andre Fab's yard. Andre Fab's yard. He's now gone back. They've gone back in there as well and they kind of share because there seems to be an easing well, certainly on one side, there seems to be an easing of the tensions between the two. Mm. But my point is that instead of getting these top-class older horses or these top-class three-year-olds, Said Bensour is not being handed that anymore. He's now having to to bring horses through. And that seems to be something that's a real bone of contention for him as well. Well, if they have a huge breeding operation and it, it'll suit them for a lot of those horses to stay in-house, so to speak. You know, plenty of them get spread around. Um, you know, Jim Bulger obviously gets plenty. Uh, William McCreary gets plenty. You know, that's just in Ireland. You know, they like I said, they, they've two and a half thousand, I think, breeding stock horses. You know, that that they're producing a lot of horses every year, and they have to go somewhere. But just uh, on the the Coolmore Godolphin rivalry, you know, we we talked about that it was a competition for a long time. The fact that Coolmore's dominance in that competition has coincided largely with with the famous boycott. Mm. You know, the Sheikh Mohammed decided not to support any Coolmore stallions. He didn't feel that Coolmore were supporting his stallions and there may have been other issues as well. And uh, around the same time was when Galileo emerged. And we know Sheikh Mohammed has been able to get into Galileo via the back door, i.e. Jim Bulger with the likes of Teofilo and New Approach. So allow Jim Bulger to get the breeding operation going with, with those sources and then acquire them afterwards, but you're not dealing directly with Coolmore yourself. Yeah. And that, that has probably hurt because, look, we see the way the middle distance division pans out pretty much every year. It's dominated mm-hmm. by Sons of Galileo. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to exclude yourself from that bloodline, the D-dominant middle distance, uh, and not just middle distance either, miling bloodline as well, that's going to make things tough. And Dubawi is an exceptional sire, but he's not quite Galileo. The two best horses that I can see that... Um Saeed Bensour has had in recent years. Uh, both of them started their life with Andre Fab. Mm. Uh, one was African Story and the other was Prince Bishop. And their biggest successes came at Maidan. Yeah. Uh, the other two big horses for Godolphin in recent years have been the aforementioned Ripchester and Jack Hobbs, who's still in training and um, could very well be a Royal Ascot winner this season. But that's it. The rest of them 
they come from John Gosden's yard and they're with a different owner like Golden Horn they come from Aidan O'Brien's yard and when you're spending that kind of money and you've got the resources that they have and the bloodstock operation that they have you expect better results so the point I'm going to get to here is if John Ferguson's been in this position since 2015 yes he's been the right hand man yes he's been involved in the bloodstock operation he hasn't had a whole lot of time to have a proper get his 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 impression of how things should go. Surely he hasn't had enough time to be able to go and do that job. Whereas Said Ben Saroor has been there a very, very long time. And it's a long time between drinks for him now. Oh, look, it's... In racing, it's always difficult to know. It's always difficult to pinpoint what is the reason because there's just so many variables in there. You know, with a trainer, is it the trainer? Is it the horses he's getting? Is it the facility he's operating out of? You know, with a bloodstock agent, is it his judgment or is it, you know, other outside circumstances? It's very difficult to pinpoint. It's unfortunately not straightforward to try and pinpoint where the issue might be. Um, But look, this has happened and they're going to have to move forward now without John Ferguson. Their last classic success was Dawn Approach in the 2000 Guineas. Jim Um, Bulger. They haven't won one since. How many do you think their great rivals Kilmore have won? Dozen. Eleven. Mm. And that's British classics, not including Irish, not including French. Well, look, it's very one-sided now, and that'll be, you know, Sheikh Mohammed is well established as he's very competitive. Yeah, and he won't be liking that one bit. And he'll and be wondering why this operation that has been built over the course of many, many decades, and is very firmly well established and has a fine breeding operation behind it. Why isn't it producing results? Why? Khalid Abdullah, Aga Khan, Sheikh Fahed—they're all coming along as well. Yeah, with smaller operations. Yeah. Uh, the, the question is why? And I'm sure that's what they're trying to figure out. So are the rumours true? The Godolphin's new racing manager is Kevin Blake? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to spread all through the Twitterverse now. Oh, Kevin, Kevin's about to leave ATR and he's going to be Godolphin's new racing manager. Relocating not, to not Dubai. In a, not in a position to comment. For present. six months of the year. Um, you say Why? How do you think this will all be resolved? We don't have the GoPros in the final Fallen Podcast studio yet, but Kevin's eyes just went... I don't know. I don't know. I'll try and find someone else to do the job and see how they get on. The, the <laughs> problem is, though, isn't it? And it, it seems as though relations were very strained between Saeed Ben Saroor and, and John Ferguson. But if John Ferguson was Sheikh Mohammed's right-hand man and Simon Crisford was so close to him and both of them are now gone, they were clearly very good at what they at their jobs they spoke very well they had great contacts within the media they were clearly very talented in terms of the equine industry as well and yet they have both fallen on their swords in different ways but they're no longer part of that operation um, you make the point about Joe Osmond. I have no doubt that he'll be very good and if he's given the job full time but it just goes to show you what a huge huge task it is to get it right look it's an operation that size you can be the boss man you know they might never see a horse sorry can we can we actually get it to be Sheikh Mohammed's boss man Godolphin <laughs> boss man <laughs> Godolphin big boss man that's going to be the actual job title <laughs> Kevin Blake Godolphin big boss man they've got to dress up as a as a copper with a nightstick <laughs> um yeah, this is this is going to take a lot of doing, isn't it, to get right? Oh, it is. Look, it's so big that you know putting in one guy on top, you know, it it has to be more than that. 
you know, this is something that needs to, to go right down through the ranks, you know. And the future for Saeed Bin Saror, like, does he escape all of this then? See, well, it seems to have been a case that he he upped the ant and said, right, it's a, essentially said it's either you or me. This is some Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Saeed has been with Sheikh, with Sheikh Mo for an awful long time as well. Mm. Uh, Tyrion Lannister would be proud of this move. Tell you what, it was a big move. It was a bit. A very, I know this like, is more of a little finger move, actually. And <laughs> <laughs> like we said at the start, just so surprising because he, you wouldn't think he'd be. No, the, that's the, the thing. The like he, Thrones type. <laughs> he's 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 a gentleman. Like he is, he is the quiet man of racing, and he does. Like I genuinely mean that. Every time he speaks about his horses, he speaks with such uh, enthusiasm, and he's quite open about what he thinks of them and how he feels they'll perform. Um, and particularly, I think when. The betting is quite close on horses that were running at Maidan and a lot of people are trying to second guess. He normally tells you which of the two is actually the right one. No, he's very straight up, to be fair. Very straight yeah. up. Um, there you go. We move on. Another big story in the great game. Yeah, big time. What's next for John Ferguson, would you think? Oh, he can do what he likes, I'd say. I can't imagine he's short of a few shekels. He might, um, himself and the son might go trading again. Is the son going to stay in his position or is he leaving as well? Oof. He's in a tricky spot now. Yeah, I his position's quite awkward now. I wouldn't be surprised if, if his son takes out a license and John plays a big role there. Completely completely speculating. No idea. Okay. In the middle of all this, there's Charlie Appleby. How does he feel about it? Poor what can he do? Won't he keep doing what he's doing? You know? <laughs> this seems to be a, a personal battle in many ways and he's not one of the people involved technically, so... Hmm. The Godolphin story, a fascinating one, and you suspect that there's more to come uh, in recent, in, in the coming weeks, but we will uh, keep on top of it, obviously, with Kevin on the Final Four Podcast, and we'll see if Kevin takes that job as being Godolphin's no big boss man. Give me money. Could be D either. <laughs> D could be the big boss woman. Yeah, why did you include me in that one? No, I just did. It's not like you put a note up saying "What about me?" She put a note up saying "What about me?" Well, I'll just I'll just put it out publicly now, Sheikh Mohammed. The answer to your question is more. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to put it out there. I'm not as greedy as Kevin. If it, yeah, you just want the Bentley. You just you'd be happy with that. What's your number? Right, my number's more. Uh, <laughs> speaking of my number's more, the big race of the weekend was obviously the Derby, a stallion maker. And like his father six years ago, it was a similar kind of swoop lace down the outside win. Uh, we were in Coolmore not so long ago, and there's a picture of Miguel Barcelona crossing the line. The thing is, what's interesting about him, what's, what gets pointed out to you uh, by the lovely people who bring you around, is in that picture, there's a guy the groom of, of uh, the horse and he's celebrating. The problem is it's Treasure Peach's groom <laughs> oh, who thinks no. the horse has won. Oh. But of course, alas, he did indeed turn out to be quite a good horse afterwards. Six years, um, Jesus. Poor Moi in that six years has been relegated from being a fat sire to being a jump stallion and I'm sure he'll do pretty well in that. But along comes Wings of Eagles who had won a Killarney Maiden previously. He had run very well at Chester um, finishing second. He was the one that most people were, were focusing on when he was second to um, the horse that I thought was going to run a huge race and bombed out with no excuses. He was in the right position and just didn't come through. But um, to be fair, Wings of Eagles was as good as those people were suggesting. Um, but he still goes off a 40 to 1 shot on the day. I wonder if he was a 4 to 1 shot, would the attitude from some be very different to his performance? Well, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was a 40 to 1 shot. 
Um, look, I, I don't think there was any great fluke about it. I think if you watch him through the race, you know, he, he set out to, Park Beggy set out to follow, not Paddy Beggy, lads, Park. Uh, oh, said, come <laughs> on. We don't need to make a big thing about that. Bloody hell. Like. Slightly annoying all the same. In all fairness, though, people around the world make a balls of name pronunciations. We had to listen to Sky Sports commentators say Mark Kinsella for years, <laughs> and he himself didn't mind it. It doesn't... It didn't bother Porrick and it shouldn't bother us. Uh, but anyway, the, you know, he followed Cliff Samore and you know, he, he had a, a trickier run through the race than Cliff Samore for sure. You know, twice, you know, the three furlong pole was a bit checked. You know, just outside the two furlong pole was properly checked. You know, he only sees clear open air, you know, furlong and a half out. And he's ultimately he's picked up very well and he's won well. Um, I didn't think there was any great fluke about it. You know, Cliff Samore I didn't think had any excuse on the day. Um, you'd have to be quite impressed by, you know, he got into the clear three furlongs out and the most impressive part of his performance, I think, was the manner in which he made his headway from the three pole to the one pole. You know, all hands and heels picked up very well to get there, win the race and wasn't quite good enough. Um, I thought he handled the track fine. Ten furlongs will probably be his trip. You know, he, he clearly stays a mile and a half, but I think he might just be better at ten. And it looks like that's the way he's going to be pointed. Yeah, the Coral Eclipse seems to be next for him. Yeah, and good luck to him. Uh, well, when you look at the betting for the Prince of Wales, now, in all fairness, Ulysses was impressive last time out, but he beat Deauville. So you got to step up a fair bit to justify the reputation that you've got at Stout's Yard. Um, Jack Hobbs, who we talked about earlier on the Godolphin story. He's, he, a, he's a fine horse. He's a fine horse. Um, with a slight ease enough, I think. Seems as though they want to go Hardwick with him, though, but he's market leader for the Prince of Wales. There's cloth the stars. Like, the point I'm making is that older division, and we'll talk about the mighty Highland Reel later on, with uh, Almanzor and Minding out of the equation for now, it's not great. No, you wouldn't be running scared. He'll be getting a nice chunk of weight and taking on the older horses. And look, good luck to him. I wouldn't be, you know, the, the market's not going to miss him, I don't think. Mm. And... Um, I'll be interested to see it. I think the trip will suit him. But I don't know if he's good enough yet. I don't know. Uh, because the instinctually, given how well run the derby was, the fact that they did finish in something of a heap, the front four, you do wonder about the level of the form. So yeah. I'm going to take a, a conservative view of that form until I'm proven wrong. Your close personal friend Phil Smith takes a conservative view of the form as well. Oh, sure. True Douglas McCarthy. You have to rate it that low. <laughs> I think I'm not going to go knocking handicappers again. Look, this is all academic, you know. Given Derby winners, but he's, he's not going to be included in the Longines list of the yeah, month. Look, all, I, I don't get worked up about this now because it is all academic. It's a different yeah. story when you're dealing with handicappers that are actually going to run in handicaps. But stuff like this, uh, I'm laid back about. I would be cautious of rating the Derby. Uh, you well, using marker horses in general, flat out, but. You, using a horse like Douglas MacArthur who hasn't essentially been ridden efficiently he wouldn't think on the day um, given the, the pace he set but to be fair to him he's actually run a cracker and you, you know there is of course a chance that he's improved with the step up and trip with his pedigree so I wouldn't like to be I don't think you could use his pre-race rating as a no as, as not a at all I mean he has <laughs> I been be doing that. he's been sacrificed which to, of, to an extent of all of the extent. horses in the race he, he with the exception of Cliff Moore, obviously, I wouldn't have expected him 
to blaze the trail like he did. Now, I know he's been written handily in the past. Yeah, well, he's, but he's made the run again. Yeah, Look, I, but I, I didn't I, expect him to be like sent off pocket full of dream style. No. Look, I, 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 think, it, I think he's improved for the step up and trip, but I also think he's probably not shown his very best because of the way he was written. Yes. So I cannot use a horse like no. him to give, to give me a guide in the form. He's done well to finish where he, where he finished, yeah. given the pace I he went. I think so, yeah. yeah. All right, so to come back to the winner, Wings of Eagles, as you said, he's been checked twice in his run. James Willoughby on our our colleagues at or, uh, Racing UK, he was making the point that he thought Cliffs of Moher had the harder trip because he had to go into the red zone and then accelerate through at the hottest pace of the race. Whereas because Wings of Eagles was coming from where he was on the sectional times, he was able to avoid the hottest part of the race and come late. Now, while he's been checked, yes, he hasn't had to accelerate through the hottest part of the race. Now, this can get very confusing for some, but that was his contention that Cliff Samoa is the better horse and that you can look forward to to more progress from him. But there will be plenty others who disagree with that. Well, look, in terms of, you know, James at the time in the immediate aftermath of the race was operating on a visual impression. Hmm. Um, and I would have speculated the same thing watching it. It did look like that, that you know, Wings of Eagles, to an extent, might have picked up the pieces with Cliff Samoa having done a little bit more, you know, between the three and the one. Um, Simon Rowlands has you know knocked together the sectionals since then, and that wasn't so much the case. You know, Cliff Samoa on the clock, you know, had a pretty efficient run. You know, and I think just in terms of a passage, he certainly had a better run than Wings of Eagles. You know, like I say, he was in he was in open air three furlongs out and was able to get balanced and 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 come with a, with one clean run, uh, whereas Wings of Eagles was twice stopped and as well once a little bit checked twice. Uh, the second time stopped pretty mm. much in his run. So, you know, when you're dealing with coming downhill on a camber, you know, meeting trouble and running like that is just not good. Um, so I, on the day, if you ran it again in two weeks' time, I, I'd like Wing of, Wings of Eagles to, to win again. And to be fair, once he's got there, he's won comfortably. He has. He's going away at the line. He stays very well. Um, loads of stamina in the pedigree, to be fair. Um, and... You know, he clearly, you know, this was a, let's not say, that, let's not try to pretend this was an obvious one to, to read. You know, he ran well at Chester, but he was ultimately second, you know, and not knocked about second, albeit. But it seems to be that, to me anyway, that he's just improved for, you know, what is, and don't forget it, a stiff mile and a half at Epsom mm. um, and a strong pace. Being ridden quietly off a strong pace, I think he can be quite a free goer. And those circumstances brought out the very, very best in him. And he's shown that he is... Uh, at this level so the strong pace in the model of four brings out improvement in him will he get that at the Curra presumably they're going to go use a horse like Douglas MacArthur again another high class pacemaker and try and get the absolute best out of him yeah again. you'd imagine so you'd imagine so and <clears throat> I see that a cracksman is favourite in front of him which uh, let me confirm that I'm, let's just come off the tip of my tongue I'm, I'm pretty sorry sure, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I read that last night um, and I was surprised, like you are now. I assume that's the first time you've heard that. Uh, my eyebrows are raised and my wallet might open here in a second as well. That's yeah, very that, surprising. That yeah, did, he is. Yeah, that did surprise me as well. We haven't touched on Cracksman yet. I'll briefly deal with him. Read out the prices there, actually. What uh, are they? Okay, so you can get 9-4 to four Cracksman with um, William Hill and Paddy Power. And then Wings of Eagles is 5-2 to two with Paddy Power, but he's 9-4 to four with William Hill. Bet okay. 365 go 5-2 to two each of two. Yeah, um, bet stars go five to two each of two, and Skybet make Cracksman nine to four favorite, and Wings of Eagles five to two. Four to one, Vortgeist, who's uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, who's going to go? Yes, uh, after the second in the French Derby. Yeah, 
Um, Cracksman ran an odd race for me. Ran an odd race. A lot of people are focusing in on, on that he may not have handled the track. You know, I don't really buy into that. You know, he was being nudged along before he got to the top of the hill, going uphill. Mm. You know, he didn't travel well after that. He got a shade unbalanced on the camber once. But, jeez, I couldn't say he didn't handle the track. And he's just kind of plugged away there. You know, he's shaped. I wouldn't expect the shape like that now. You'd almost say he ran a bit flat, which doesn't really make sense, but it almost looked like that to me. Well, he did miss his prep run. Well, you know, if you miss your prep run, you think you'd be the other way. You think you'd be too fresh. Mm-hmm. Having not had a run, that an intended run. It's just a, an odd sort of a run. But on the line through Permium, is it not just, that's just as good as he is? Oh, maybe it is, but it's just I'm just surprised the way he shaped. It's a hard one to make sense of now. Like, he's run very well. He's not beaten far at all. But it was just a, it was just odd the way he shaped. And eminent. They, they're getting a little bit confusing here, because first of all, they seem to be very, very keen to go for the Irish Derby and take on the winner again. And now they've changed their mind and seem to be going for the Eclipse as well. Yeah, I think they'd have to supplement for, for the Cara. But look, he ran fine. He, things didn't go perfectly for him. I think, you know, he jumped away well. I think he was, I think Jim Crowley was looking to follow cracks, uh, follow Cracksman. And he was doing that. And then he just got a shade, kind of shuffled back mid-race. And he got, it, got into the clear about two and a half out. And he just stayed on steadily in amongst traffic you know he never had any great running room which is never ideal coming down the camber uh, whip was dropped relatively late in the day I, but I would I'm not inclined to think he was much better than the bare form now mm, I suspect that this is as good as Eminent is close enough to it I'd say we've seen the 6th place finish in the 2000 guineas we've seen a 4th place finish here and then you look at Rivet who he beat in the Craven and he's run well in a French 2000 guineas and he's run I know he's keen in the French Derby. The other day, yeah. Well, they're they're saying he did. Like they're saying he was very keen. But when you start looking at their subsequent performances, and they're only all right, then maybe we should start to think that this horse is not like he's going to make the market in the Eclipse. I imagine because he's going to be backed for it. Yeah, but look, I suppose the one thing we have to bear in mind now, talking about Cliffs and or talking about Cracksman, talking about Eminent. I wouldn't like to get too bullish in saying things like that's as good as they are, because at the end of the day, they're all very inexperienced yeah that's you know, true they, look I don't I, I think experience is probably one of the most overrated things in racing uh, uh, from a racehorse's point of view but I think it could be when you're dealing with running in a race like the Derby you know I think there's always potential for a little bit more you know mm. I'm talking a few pounds well the cautionary tale is current top because current top was this time last season been very highly regarded and been talked about as who? Uh, exactly <laughs> as, as a potential um, dark horse for the Derby and he was sent off a 20 to 1 shot for the 1 mile 4 handicap on Derby Day right after the Derby mm. so it's all very well and good to look at these horses and get excited and look Rory and Tony were both very keen and eminent I would be surprised they might still be but I'd be surprised if there isn't a line drawn through him now I, I'd, at this point I think he's going to be over bet the next time he runs and I'd be surprised if he can turn the form around at Cliffs and Moore and I'd be surprised if he's genuinely group 1 yeah, dropping back to 10 now, I'd be with Cliff some more in a match for sure. Yeah. Uh, and we One more I wanted to mention. It has been picked up in a few places, to be fair, but the run of, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Salowan. Yeah, I'll go with that. Sylvester Kirk's horse. Yeah. Because he was definitely better than the form. He's trying to pick up late on. Yeah, you watch his run through the race. He got squeezed out, out of the stalls. Uh, similar position to the winner. 
Uh, gets a bit checked three furlongs out. Gets smashed up just inside the tree pole. Checked and stumbled. And then he was getting going again, to be fair to him. And he gets checked again just inside the furlong pole. Yeah. And wasn't beaten up. I look, he wasn't going to win the race, but I think he could have finished just in behind the, the front four. I, think I I rated him as kind of maybe fifth best, and that was a fair run from him. You know, I don't know what he's going to do next. He might fall in between. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to win a Group One next time, but he can certainly be marked up. All right, who would you have on the Kevin Blake shortlist as the most likely Group One performer for the rest of the season from that race? Wings of Eagles, I'd say, is the likeliest to win a Group 1 on his next start. Okay. Which will be the Irish Derby. Yes. Yeah. The way you look at that Irish Derby, he's actually quite a fair price. He's going to be Coolmore's number one. perfectly reasonable. Ryan Moore's going to ride him. Yeah. Because if Cliff Zamora goes for the Eclipse, then that's him out of the equation, essentially. Yeah. Then you're going to... I wonder where Crystal O'Shea run. I'm just looking at the, 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 the market here. King Edward at Royal Ascot? Probably, isn't it? They've got Mirage Dancer as well. Is he entered for the King Edward? He's entered for the King Edward. Not, yeah. He's not, in, he's now, not he, in the car. He needs to improve a lot, but people were very... I wasn't as taken as some were, but some people were very taken with his performance. Yeah, himself and Crystal Ocean, I'd be open to a fair bit of room. Yeah. I'd prefer Crystal Ocean at the two now, but a Yucatan could be back in time for the car. Oh, God. You know, for for a brief moment there, about two out in the Terby, I thought Capri and oh Douglas McArthur were going to be one too. Oh, my God. <laughs> There, w- there wouldn't have been a podcast this week if, oh God. if it had been Capri 1, Douglas MacArthur 2. Imagine. Um, the good thing about it is that they were both stuffed in the end, so well, you know, re- relatively... Ran. They both ran solid, to be fair. To them. But basically, Yucatan would have had to been improve an awful lot to go in the Derby. Oh, so. yeah. That, 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 that wouldn't have been Capri's form, that, to be fair to him, I'd say, because he, he, he needs it softer, softer, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he needs it softer. Speaking of softer, we'll speak about Porik Beggy a little bit later on. Um, speaking of soft ground, the scenes on Racing UK when the absolute torrential downpour began <sighs> and the electrical storm, the thunderstorm starts going. It reminded me of a, of a scene that was reminiscent of Maidan when they burst out of the stalls. And I like that camera angle, the way that they focus in uh, when the horses come out and they come towards the first bend. And it just reminded me of, of Maidan. It, it looked as though, man, they're racing under lights here. And of course, it's really the camera filter. It's got so dark. Yeah, yeah. But the camera filter, the way it... it artificially brightens it looks like that it was a fantastic spectacle to watch the Oaks man it was, uh, dr- it was dramatic the whole build up wasn't it it really Just was bad day O'Brien's plane nearly exploding I, think, I heard two stories I heard like a fuel pipe blew up basically and sprayed fuel everywhere and I also heard that a fuel cap was like left off and fuel sprayed out and they had to obviously clean off all the fuel before you kick on otherwise you might have a small fire and there's no such thing as a good fire on a plane uh, so that delayed things massively and like they do they deliberately fly in quite late to make the the, mm. the whole thing as smooth as possible but it doesn't leave a huge amount of scope for disastrous things like this um, but they got there they got there but god it was touch and go genuinely touch and go and they arrived there and you're you know everyone's speculating whether it'll detrimentally affect the horse's performance because the routine is being broken um, and they they like the horses were waiting at the airport I think for four hours or something like that Highland Reel is one tough um, cookie he's a legend of a horse we'll talk about him in more detail later on but let's deal with these first of all I wouldn't give her an excuse I think she's run a race Rhododendron yeah. yeah I thought it was a perfectly fine run she's run a, fi- she's run a fine race Alluringly's run a fine race they just bumped into a horse that was much better than them did did they possibly overdo it with the pacemaking tactics or was no. it just a case of 
they've bumped into a better horse. Nah, true run race, no excuses. Um, like, Enable took a stronger hold than Rhododendron did. I thought mm. Rhododendron settled beautifully. Um, and Ryan's come there like he's on the best horse, travelling really powerfully. It's just as he goes for her, Frankie's already gone. Well, look, and the thing is, people will say, oh, she didn't stay. Look, Enable's forging away at the end. Look, have a look at Alluringly. You know, Rhododendron is about six lengths in front of her at the furlong pole and it's still six lengths in front of her yeah. at the line. You know, give or take a length or two, maybe. It's hard to know from the angle, but um, look, I think Enable's just very good. And Rhododendron's lost nothing in defeat for me. And uh, Enable, who, as listeners of the pod will know, I wasn't enamoured with at all after Chester. Uh, but she's taken a big, big step up here, lads. A uh, big step up. And that was highly impressive. Mm. Um, Nathaniel, her sire, is just a really interesting case. And he beat Frankel! Uh, I've wrote a few lines about it. He had a disastrous first season. Really? Oh, horrendous. Horrendous, written off by a lot of people, including me. Um, because... I, like I, I run all my stats on the first season sires at the end of the at the end of the year, you know, and I'll just whip them up here for for comparison's sake. But basically, Nathaniel only had, I think he had about forty two year old runners, and he only had three two year olds that had RPRs of eighty five or more. <gasps> you know that's awful, awful. Like puts them right down at the bottom of of whatever table you're doing on whatever basis you're doing it. That is woeful. So when a Nathaniel Colt or Philly walks into the parade ring or a foal walks into the parade ring, the murmurs are that, ah, he's done. Forget about him. Yeah, and you on. look at, like I, I, I've done the stats on that. you look at his his um, his sales statistics, the foals especially last year took a hammering because when, when you're dealing with foal sales, you're generally selling to people that will be looking to sell again yeah. the following year and they're very fashion sensitive. Pinhooking. Very fashion sensitive, and as soon as the sire starts to get looking looking any bit dodgy at all, they'll go ice cold at the fold sales. He went ice cold, and uh, the yearlings weren't as bad, but there was certainly a big dip, and it's been a remarkable turnaround now. Like at the moment, right now, well, as of two days ago when I ran the numbers, he had three two-year-olds rated eighty-five or more last year. At the moment, he's got thirteen that are 85 plus he's got 7 that are 100 plus you know so the transformation has been unbelievable from that one crop and it clearly is a case that they just want time and distance you know that that's what that's been the key because the transformation has been nothing short of phenomenal he's gone from dead in the water to being very exciting by all accounts to have a classic winner in his first crop is a big deal obviously but there's yeah. loads of them stepping up away the whole time uh, and it just goes to show that uh, from the bloodstock point of view that sometimes it, you know, it is a very fickle industry and sometimes people are very quick to knock sires. Yeah, it is too late for poor Moa who has gone to national hunting. Like, you'd imagine it would be hard for him to transfer from there. No, but it's, of course it's pretty hard to come back from that. Yeah, once you've gone national hunt, that's it. Um, however, his son could end up being pretty decent and if he ends up winning an Irish Derby and is a dual classic winner... Uh, he becomes much more marketable. Um, in terms of these two horses clashing, I don't see Enable in the anti-post betting for the Irish Derby. Is it going to be a case of that they go... It'd be fun if they supplemented her and they get the boys. Well, it <laughs> would be fascinating happen, because she's be been fun. so good. But, but yeah, do you think she'll... She'd nearly win. Do you think she'd go for the Irish Oaks and, and keep things simple and then go Yorkshire Oaks? Or is there a possibility that they could go the Tegruda route with her and, and say, let's go King George? 
Oh, Johnny G's not shy of coming to the car. Yeah, he's not. Be fun. Uh, she'd win it. She, 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 God, if she ran to the Irish Derby, what price would she be? Well, how do you give her weight in a beating? She's right up at the top there. Yeah. God, I'd love them to. They never would, I don't think, but it'd be, God, it'd be fun if they did. It would be a fascinating race. The only problem is, of course, that they also have cracksmen. Now, it's yeah. different ownership. Yeah. But Johnny G has that horse. Yeah, so. it wouldn't happen. It's not worth talking about, but God, it'd be fun if it It happened. would be. So yeah. she'll probably go for the Irish Oaks next then. I'd, you'd suspect so. Ribblesdale, but you'd suspect Irish Oaks. I yeah. Think. I just, uh, poor Moa is an interesting one there because I was looking at, and, you know, uh, people that aren't into the Bloodstock side of things, but oh, what, what do you mean, you know, go National Hunt? But I have an interesting example there of how, you know, it's it, we say that as, as, as it's almost uh, an insult, you know, they've gone National Hunt. But, it's just, it's amazing how a sire can be transformed. Because here's an example. Dylan Thomas. Brilliant racehorse. I think he started off at 50k. Um, was doing fine, just fine. But like like I was saying, you know, these sires get knocked so quick unless they're doing great things. And he went all the way down to 10 grand in 2013. Still standing in the flat. He covered 28 mares in 2013 for 10 grand. Right? The following year... They switched them to National Hunt, dropped this price to 5k. So they moved him to Formoy. Yeah, he's down in Castle Hyde. His first year at that, he covered 155. Whoa. The year after that, he covered 263. You know, so that's what you're talking about. It's, it's far from a death knell for a sire to mm. go National Hunt. Poor Moi, last year, was down to 10k. He covered 60 mares, roughly. I have no idea how many mares, National Hunt mares he covered this year, but it's a hell of a lot more than 60, I guarantee. Yeah. You know, so in many ways, it's it's a it's a new lease of life for these sires. Yeah, um, because the their national hunt breeding in Ireland is massive. It also goes to show you the demand there is for those horses in jumps racing. Well, like you look at, I've got the the Coolmore National Hunt um, sire roster here in front of me, and the the, the horses in there like Yates, Ask, Sean Salise, Dylan Thomas, Flemingsford, Getaway, Imperial Monarch, mm. a leading light, my old pal, Maller, Milan. Akavango, Pourmois, Saint Frontier, Soldier of Fortune, Walk in the Park, Westerner, Yates. There's some racehorses in yeah, there. Milan was something else. Some racehorses in there. And uh, they cover so many mares. They cover so many mares. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, if you want to consider that a step down in the world, you know, I wouldn't mind having a, <laughs> having a chunk in one of them going off covering 300 mares. So Kevin, sorry, D has a... That's a very raised eyebrow look at Kevin saying, I wouldn't mind being a national one, sire at all. You have to be grand, lads. I meant having a snake in one of them. Jeez. I wouldn't have their stamina for that game. <laughs> I'm getting oh. hold, lads. Put it on a t-shirt, folks. This is another old Kevin moment. Put it on a t-shirt. Ah, lads, I wouldn't have the stamina for that game at all. Somebody make a meme, please. Somebody make a meme. Okay, uh, you think Enable would win the Irish Derby where should it come over, but we don't think it's going to happen, so there's no point in talking about it. Rhododendron, what do you do with the filly like Rhododendron? She's clearly Group 1 class. Oh, Pretty Polly? That seems pretty the poly. most obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, Pretty Polly. Pretty Polly, NASA stakes, and yeah. then keep winter to a mile. Sorry? Keep winter to a mile then instead. Oh yeah, gotcha. Because there's no need to up her trip if no, you've got Rhododendron no, running for you. No, she, she might stay, but I'd be, I'd be afraid. All right. They've thumped everything else. So there's nothing really else to talk about from the Oaks, nah, is there? I smashed them up. Well, I, we, we should mention old Kenny McPeak because that was just... Just about to come to him. What? what a class act, first of all. But for anybody who, for whatever reason, hasn't seen this yet, 
dramatic scenes to say the least. I have don't think I've ever seen a jockey. I don't think I've seen it either. Jump off a horse because he decided. I don't quite think I'm going to pull this one up. So, bah. well, basically there was thunder and lightning. It was just a dramatic day. Like, do you remember when they were down in the stalls and the thunder clapped? Yeah. And uh, one of the O'Brien horses on the seat of the right had a blindfold on at the time and obviously shat itself with the, with the thunder <laughs> and, and got the rider off. It was just a mad day. But before all that happened, um, Daddy's little girl had uh, had spooked obviously by the, with the lightning and just took off, and just took off and. There is no more frightening experience. That's oh, awful. On a runaway horse. It is awful. I mean, uh, and you don't I, know what they're going to do. They're obviously no. they're they're shitting themselves strongly, and, and you, you can't control. You, you them. don't know what they're going to do. And in 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 this case with Olivier Pellier, she's going downhill, steep downhill, and all that's down there is a set of stalls and a dead end, and she's not seeming like she's going to stop. So what do you do? Do you do you hold on and hope she jams on, and you might get. get Flung head out over a head into the stalls or into God knows what, or do you step off and hope you don't, you land soft? Well, I was heading for thistles oh. in a stone wall one day, and I just closed my eyes, and <laughs> and the horse jumped. Sure, oh, Jesus, jumped over. <laughs> to be fair to him, uh, because I was no help to him whatsoever. You like, like Tato? <laughs> what was that? Gone, gone with the what's it called? That film called? Into the West? Into the West. Into yeah. the West. Tato, Tato. <laughs> Tear in the oak. I, I was no use to him whatsoever. Yeah, jumping over the fire, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the clown just <laughs> holding on uh, for the best. But my eyes were closed. I didn't even... It wasn't until we were mid-air that I realised what was going on. Well, I've, um, ne- I've never got run away with that in the back of a thoroughbred, but I've got run away with the back of a pony and it's not fun. It's not fun. It really isn't. Um, Olivia Pellier is also a brilliant horseman, so if he couldn't stop her, that says something. Yeah, yeah. Look, stepping off his balls, you know, because you need to get that right too, because you don't end up under. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but the thing the thing but about Kenny McPeak was an absolute lesson in humility and just how to take a bad beat. But he'd been brilliant all week. He was put. He was brilliant on social media all week, putting up updates. He was out walking the track and putting up his updates and like they stuck a microphone under his nose. Ali stuck a microphone under him while she was still loose. You know, like a lot of trainers would have told you to, to you know, insert colourful language yeah, off. Good luck. Uh, but he and talked, put a hand through the camera at the same time. He talked very, he talked very clearly, and yeah. it was was, was gutsy very, move from Ali. To be fair, it was very calm, very gutsy move, but it made for great television. It did, yeah, and you just felt so sorry for him. Then the camera swung back to him after she'd been withdrawn, and his wife was in tears beside him, and. You know, you've come all the way from America and so much excitement to build up and then something stupid like that happens. Oh, the, the game would tear you to bits. I just hope that they get they get, they get get paid back now for, for taking it all in their stride and what have you and they come back and get a good result. And yet, the next day, he goes on Periscope or <laughs> whatever video platform he's using and he's, he's in the Epsom Derby after party. By the way, that's the actual title of it. I'm not having... I'm not <laughs> making the wrong phraseology of it it's the derby he's in the Epsom Derby after party and they're singing along and they're uh, looking at all the revellers and they're joining in and his wife is singing along and he's just having a great time yeah life's too short to be getting upset kick on it's just absolute gentleman real uh, fair play to him now. real think, class act I think he made a lot of uh, he, earned a lot, he earned himself a lot of fans in this part of the world yeah. now with the way he conducted himself before he, during after you have talked about how you would love to see more people in racing use social media. There is an example. Now, the Americans are different and they have a more, maybe they're a little bit more embracing of these kind of ideas. But 
there is the example of how to do it. Nah, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Look, I look, I, you know, if, you know, we're from this part of the world. There's no secrets Epsom for us. But I watched all his videos. I enjoyed them. Hmm. You know, an American walking on Epsom going, oh, God, my God, gosh, Jesus, look at this. <laughs> look at this hill. <laughs> it was brilliant. It's fantastic. Uh, to be fair, not every trainer has that kind of open personality to be able to go and, and do that. No, but they can try. But it's great. <laughs> it's great that. to see someone do it. And you'd like to think that a young jockey um, would be able to, to carry on in that vein or, or yeah. take that platform, take you'd, that idea hope, and run with you'd it. You'd hope so. Yeah, they're, very, they're very slow to embrace all that sort of thing now. Coronation Cup, Highland Reel. He arrived, what, an hour and a half beforehand? He's just made a bell metal, isn't he? An hour and 15 minutes beforehand, according to producer D, and he does it. Five group ones now for him. Did you say 145,000 kilometres in air so, miles? I yeah. yeah. And you're at the race's article. Yeah. This fella is an absolute superstar who probably doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Yeah, look, and I think when horses, when, when horses from our neck of the woods kind of go off to those international group ones that aren't, you know, the, the, the real... Household names, your breeders' cups, and your arcs, and all that. When they treasure, go off, treasure beach, an example. As yeah, when, when they go off to those smaller international group ones, it's almost seen as negative. You know, oh, look, oh, he's going to have to win the Secretariat Stakes because he can't win a group one here. You know, mm. um, but what a horse he's been! He's won on many different continents now. Uh, he's just a high, high class horse. He's very, very good, and he showed in the arc, and he showed in the King George that he can win and compete in the tip top group ones. And if they leave him alone in front. He's going to punish him a lot at the time. And he's just a smashing horse. And I keep, I hope he keeps going. You know, because we were concerned after Dubai that maybe that was a sign of, you know, two very tough seasons telling on him. But clearly not. He's clearly made of just even tougher stuff than we thought. Probably likes sunning himself in Maidan, but doesn't have any interest in running over there for whatever reason. I should say it was myself. <laughs> Oh wait! Can we get that outtake now? Does this mean we can now play that outtake about you and the suntan lotion? Trust me, folks, it's a great one, but he won't. He will not allow it to be played. Oh, he didn't realise it was the record button was on. And producer D wanted to do it, but no, Kevin was like, "No, you can't, can't do that. You're not allowed to do that." But uh, ah, he's just brilliant horse. I, I I support him and shout for him wherever he goes. All right. So some people would look at last year's King George and say, "Yeah, but what did he beat?" Surely the point is: look at the brilliant run he had in the Judmont. Look at the brilliant run he had in the Irish Champion Stakes. Look at his second in the Arc. Look at his Breeders' Cup Turf win. This is a high class racehorse, and he's four to one top price for the King George. Five to two is like the general price about him. I'd fancy him to beat Jack Hobbs to be totally honest about Ooh. it if it came up good ground I think he'd win it the only one that I'd be nervous of is, is Enable and based on the betting she's not expected to run by the looks of things because mm. the bookmakers are sticking their necks out and they're going 6-1 to one about a horse who would be getting weight for age and sex allowance yeah yeah look he's just a tip he's a tip top horse isn't he he's really really good uh, is there something there to beat him yeah, is, Al, is this on the agenda for Al Mansour? No, I don't think he's going to be ready in time. Well, then what's going to beat him? Mm. Lads, get the wheelbarrows. This is this is the retirement fund here. This is the Dubai holiday for next year summer fund. <laughs> Highland Reel is too big at fours. Punish them. Punish <laughs> them. <laughs> See the four to one suddenly gone. Uh, that, that's a big price. We know it's his target. We know he's going to go there. The only possibilities they might go to Royal Ascot and if they do it'll be the Hardwick but that's only if they feel he needs a run if not mm. he'll skip the race he won last year and go straight to Ascot for the King George 
And if Enable doesn't run... Enable won't run, surely. Yeah, I don't think she will either. Odds of Jack Hobbs getting a bit of ease in the ground at that time of year. Won't get it. Happens, but unlikely. Won't, won't get it. Unless there's... Someone call Lucy Verasami there, D, and find out what the long-range forecast is for Ascot at King George time. Mm. You won't get his conditions, you would imagine. So if he doesn't, the four to one is too big about a horse that you know is going to run there and he's the defending champion. Oh yeah, why not? Okay. Um, let's talk about the horse that finished like he was a drunken fella coming stumbling out of a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning, frontiersman. He was not able to handle the canver at all. No, God, no. God, no. He was not a happy bunny. He's run some race, to be fair. To he you. has, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, as good an example as you'll ever see of a horse really struggling. And uh, somewhere in a field in Newmarket, Ouija boards looking that going, ah, come on, young fella, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, a horse who dominated that track as well, by the way. Yeah, absolutely bold up. Um, he could go for the Hardwick Stakes. He's, he's riddled with talent, to be fair to him. And look, he's only length and three quarters behind Highland Reel. Mm. This is an important point to make about Jack Hobbs as well, by the way, because if Royal Ascot doesn't come up soft, how is Jack Hobbs going to run there? Mm. And he's market leader for the Prince of Wales. Yeah. Won't go if it's good ground. It's going to be good to firm, probably. Uh, yeah. Ascot, good to firm. Yeah, and that's very much one to keep in mind. Uh, in terms of him, how far can he go? Was he flattered? Like, he's he's run all over the track, but he's finished fast and late. Oh, I don't know if I'd like to say he was flattered now. He looked, to be fair, coming into the race, he looked very progressive. Yeah. Um, and look, it, it seemed a big step in the right direction. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like to say he was flattered now. Okay. Back in a more conventional track next time. You'd like to see him consolidate this effort now and show, him, show that he is a proper group one horse. Four to one shot for the Hardwick Stakes. Mm. He'll be popular. He will. He'll for be very sure. popular. Horses who won't be popular. Uh, you can give an excuse to Idaho because it's his first run of the season so he can be expected well, to Well, of improve. all the horses now that would have struggled with the travel drama, I think he, he's a very free sweater. He gets worked up and I think Aidan mentioned it afterwards like he just, he did not take that whole thing well. So, yeah. line so, through. So you can give an excuse to him. He was picked <laughs> by Shamie Heffernan. Um, yes, we're coming to it. Uh, there is the possibility that Idaho becomes a cup horse. Oh, you don't uh, like that idea. Maybe not. He okay. thought he'd want to settle. Well, he's a brother to Holland Real, so yeah. Why he'd want to settle? Yeah, um, he's going to be one who's going to be on the international agenda. We're getting move there, on, Kevin. Move We're on. getting there, Kevin. Move on. He's one who'll be the, on, on the international agenda. Um, one who will be soon, no question about it, winning Grade Ones for Mike Uh for Joseph O'Brien over jumps. <laughs> US Army Ranger, explain this one to me. I'm sure you're in shite. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Terrible effort. Must have been the plane, lads. The, Must have been the plane. This, this That's was time, a, lads. He, this didn't, was a, he, didn't, he hates airports. The market moved after the podcast came out as well. Oh, 12s into 9s. He hates airports, lads. He can't stand them. Well, well, he hates life then. Four hours in Shannon Airport. He couldn't deal with it. He said, nah, not today, lads. Yeah. That's what happened next time, lads. Next time. <laughs> like second in the derby last year. That derby started to look woeful. Oh, Lord. What a terrible effort. Oh, third, move on. Move third on. run of the season as well. <laughs> So that, that old Aidan O'Brien third run improver system move is on, gone. Move on. <laughs> Ever okay. mention his name in this podcast again. <laughs> Wait till US Army Ranger wins the Hardwick Stakes and there's Kevin oh, waving, his, waving his stick on. I told you, lads. I told you all along. 
Uh, yeah, he's got a long way to go. What about the real star performance in Derby Day? Oh, uh, you are going to refer to Sovereign Debt. Nope. Oh. <laughs> George even... Bone. <laughs> he ran great. He'll win next time, lads. Oh, God. Just <laughs> Seriously. God almighty. He did run a cracker, to be he fair. He did run very well. And he's he's stayed on well. So, look, yeah, at least it's... we know he's in form yeah, again. Yeah, I'd say he's nearly ready to go back up to seven. You know, I'm glad they took the hood off. I thought that was a bad idea. Would you like to see him go back to seven for a long time? I'd say he's start? probably ready for it now. Okay. okay, he's probably ready for it now. He's he's getting a bit lazy, I think, as much as anything. Let's talk about sovereign debt. He's a super horse. Isn't Eight he? years of age and he's still going strong. Super horse and ah, should look. You can't talk about sovereign debt without talking about Danny Nichols. Well, this is the so thing. Sad, it's, and he's such a young man as well. And he trained the horse last year to run extremely well, and then. The weekend where he comes out and wins um, as an eight-year-old, poor old Dandy passes away. It's a big shock. Like you know, it's just been a very sad end for the man because he obviously had it. He had his ongoing legal issues, and he obviously went bankrupt there in in, in March. And trainers, trainers' license had to go. And you know, for a man, you know, I know you would have been the same though. Uh, growing up in racing, you know, Dandy was the man. Absolutely, king he of the was sprinters. The man. Uh, just having winners all over the shop doing great jobs with horses and it's just sad to see a fella in like that now and I know look at the end of the day horses are only a a trivial thing in a life really but yeah. um, very sad for, for him and his family now for, for it to go with. I, I believe he, he'd been sick for quite a while um, hadn't really been publicised but I didn't know that uh, yeah it just seems very sudden now very very I was very taken aback now with that news but particularly given the fact that he was such a well-known figure in racing, but also that he was so young. Yeah, well, like, that's the 60, sad thing 61? about it. 62. Yeah. Rough stuff now. Way too young. Um, his son Adrian paid a, a lovely tribute to him on, on social media, but at times like these, I'm afraid there's only really cliche terms you can say other than he was a legendary trainer legendary trainer and like you said we would have grown up watching his sprinters dominate remember the day he broke my heart the day one cool cat got beaten oh. in the Nunthorpe oh. pop quiz hot shot what was the name of Dandy's horse was it 25 to 1 shot was he uh, 16s no I don't have um, one cool cat finished second and I think that might have been did he he ran once more then I think he went to ran a shite in the Haydock Sprint Cup yes that was it yeah he was sent off a very short price favourite for that and then that was the end of him um, I'm trying to think of the name of the horse as well and I can't think of it but I now have it thanks to producer D who's Bohemian putting it on the Pirate? screen it was Bohemian Pirate he wasn't even second one cool cat the tattling was second what a horse the tattling is an absolute legend as well yeah you should have won that Spencer um, oh, yeah Bohemian Pirate Seb Saunders South Korea now one cool cat nine years of age I don't know um, if he's dead or not, but he was standing on the side of South I Korea remember last seeing one cool cat at Coolmore and he was an absolute beast of a horse. I remember like a, seeing him one of the one of the first days he ran out of the car, I turned the corner and saw him in the pre-parade ring and he was just a real Jesus. Proper Stormcat. Yeah, proper Stormcat. Real big bull of a horse. Very striking looking horse. Yeah, beautiful horse. Um, but Bohemian Pirate did him that day and it was Dandy Nichols who just was a genius with those sprinters. Oh, rough stuff. Terrible shame. Awful shame. And our sympathies go out to his family and to his friends and to those who knew him. Um, the French Derby. So, this seemed to be on paper to be a really good renewal at the Prix de Jockey Club. Um, Bramatot ends up winning. We've talked about, uh, what's your pronunciation of the runner-up? 
Um, I went with Voltgeist. Yeah, I'll go with Voltgeist. That's fair. That's fair enough. Um, Don't pull me up on that, as you know, my pronunciations are no good. The thing about Taj Mahal finishing so close would be <laughs> a slight bit of a concern to me. Because he is useless. <laughs> Absolutely. I wouldn't mind knowing the useless. But he's like useless. <laughs> um, but that being said, he's you know, he's the French 2000 Guineas winner uh, at Deauville last month. He's now come out and he's got a classic double. Um, I think he ranges around about a 10 to 1 shot for the arc. And you can see why they're they're being cautious with him. He looks a very good horse. He's a nice horse. Fine turn of foot. Should stay a mile and a half, mm. I'd speculate. Um, yeah, just I didn't think he was going to win though. From a, a fair way out, thought he too much to do. And fair play to him with the turn of foot he showed. Got yeah. the job done. Looked really tough for him. Mm. Um, so the fact Big that he's, effort. Yeah, and the fact that he's shown that class to come get the job done says an awful lot. Yeah, he'd be all right. No fear for him. Uh, Waldgeist, he'll come over to the Curra. Yeah, for Andre Fabre. Andre Fabre. <laughs> he could go for the Grand Prix de Paris instead. Uh, yeah, look, he's a good progressive coach. So of Galileo again. You can't get away from him, lads. Sheikh Mohammed, you just got to start investing in these Galileos. Out of a Manson mayor. He'll, he'll stay all day, surely. Yeah. Um, Obviously a superstar for Andre Fabre as well. Yeah, he's good and progressive. Good to see Andre Fabre. Sacre bleu! <laughs> after after uh, uh, one of many uh, Sean T-based trainers last year who had a difficult time with things with uh, with the bug, the virus, whatever mm. you want to call it. Um, and now he seems to be back on track. And this lad, it'll be great to see the, the little general back at the car. <laughs> is that not a well-established nickname no, for it him? it is, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just I wasn't expecting you to say it. The little general. Um, okay, so Andre Favre. He loves the press. Andre Favre. We love him. Oh, he, yeah. I, can't, I bet you can't wait to be... Actually, you won't be... I was going to say, you won't be in the scrum. You'll be alongside Gary no, mate, no, no, those at the races. No, I'll let, I'll let the lads deal with him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, send make, send Fitzy in there with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you can handle it. Um, if he does come over, and we suspect he will, try and, and bounce this up for us. So how do you think he'll fare against Wings of Eagles? <sighs> and Cracksman and the like. I would like to think that the form from Epsom is a little way ahead of the Shantee form right now. Um, Voltgeist. I, I suspect that's wrong, Les, but anyway, we'll go with it. Could definitely improve for stepping up to a mile and a half. Definitely. Let's, so, let's, let's ask Siri. Siri, how do you pronounce that? Walgist. Well, she doesn't have a clue. Because <laughs> that's awful. Siri's drunk. That is, that is not how you pronounce that. Could be. Waltgeist. Will we get up the, will we get up no, the, replay, no, no. the replay of the race? Go on. Go on. We go need on. to answer Just this question. If I'll see if I can find it very quickly. Talk to me about the three Aidan O'Brien horses. Taj Mahal, War Decree and Order of the Garter. That's pretty much as good as they are. Ah, probably, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I wouldn't be getting excited about any of them, really. Okay. Here we go now. Bear with me a second here. That's will turn off my volume. And we'll find out very quickly what the Frenchies think it is. Here we go. Fall guys. Fall guys. There we go. Fall guys. Oh my God, did he have an aneurysm? Oh, That's a bit of emotion in the commentary. Fall guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Somebody was getting excited. <laughs> um. So you think that the derby? 
is going to be stronger than the French Derby. It lo- I would say maybe a little, and people disagree with that. I have no doubt, but I think it might be a little way ahead of the French version. The French had problems last year. Andre Fabre included. Andre Fabre included. Um, Kevin Ryan's got big problems. But the first one I want to ask you about before we come along to uh, a serious problem, kids. Wrap up warm. It's cold outside uh, with herpes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to take that out. I know. What are you talking about? Herpes. The riddles with herpes. Yeah, it's, it's a problem in <laughs> racing. Um, <laughs> and then college. Hence, college, hence, college, hence, and hence with a BHA of... <laughs> <laughs> and also a big problem with university campuses all, all campuses all over the country all over the world <laughs> um, some would say it's an epidemic uh, the great Gatsby's gone to Dermot Weld oh yeah he's long gone so that's an interesting move oh yeah he's gone since Christmas time um, do we have a plan for him yet no and I oh, it's ages since I spoke to Dermot Weld now about him but um, I, I think he'll be on his travels yeah, I because was thinking an international campaign. Yeah, he him. wants fast ground, and I, perhaps that's why they chose Dermot Weld because he's so well established at traveling these horses all mm. over the place. Uh, so I'd imagine that's what he'll be doing. All right, so his stable star uh, no longer there. He does have a very interesting handicapper for Royal Ascot, and he might not get to run that horse now because the BHA have to step in and, and close the yard. How serious is Equine Herpes? Oh, it's very serious. If you don't get on top of it, we saw what happened uh, in down with. Um, Jean-Claude Rouget had a horrific bout of it mm. and lost a number of horses dead. You know, it, it's, it can be very, very serious. Right now, it seems only one horse in Kevin Ryan's has it. Uh, there's one confirmed case. And look, it's just a case of precautionary reasons. They'll just shut down everything. They'll isolate the horse that, that's tested positive. They'll test everything else. And fingers crossed, it hasn't spread. It is just one horse. They can keep that horse isolated, treated. And once they get clean tests off everything else, it'll be reopened. Um, but every trainer's nightmare. Every trainer's nightmare. You, you they, they wake up in cold sweats at night thinking about the likes of um, equine herpes and strangles and things like that because they are horrific diseases. And if you get them, you're in, you're in big trouble. And they obviously take every precaution to try and avoid this, but sometimes it doesn't matter how many precautions you take as a trainer. Um, infections can get into your yard. Yeah, look, most trainers would, would vaccinate as a matter of course. Um, some do, some don't. I don't know. I'm not, I can't comment on this particular case, but uh, even at that, you can bring a horse in. You know, modern racing stables, there's horses coming in, coming out the whole time. And that's how things generally get brought in. They, a horse comes from the sales, a horse comes from another yard, and they have something. Um, because the sales and the racecourse stables even are real breeding grounds for disease because they're, they're going in, horses are going into communal stables, horses from different areas, different trainers, different standards of hygiene and vaccinations perhaps. And they're being, I know these stables are cleaned, but they maybe aren't always clean as well as they should be. And sometimes that's how these things spread, unfortunately. Do you think he will be able to get his stable back in action for Royal Ascot? And if so... <sighs> Would be... they be ready to run? Oh yeah, look, it, it. I can't imagine anything is changing in in Kevin Ryan's in terms of their their training schedule. One horse has has come up positive. That horse will obviously be out of the picture for a while. But I can't imagine the daily routine has changed in terms of their their training routine. And I wouldn't be in a position to comment on a likely time scale now of how quickly the BHA might lift the restrictions. It all 
all depends on what's going on there, what, what the testing ske- schedule is. But uh, I wouldn't be having a bet on one of his for Ascot just yet, lads. I'd say uh, keep the money in the pocket until we get, have more news. Let's wind it back to the Derby, so. Two men to talk about. Porek Beggy, obviously, we'll get to. Aidan O'Brien is 47 years of age and has matched his predecessor by winning his sixth Epsom Derby. I say Epsom Derby because there's the Irish Derby and there's the French Derby. He's actually never won but the French Derby. But there's only one Derby. But there's only one Derby. <laughs> and Aidan O'Brien at 47 has won his sixth Derby. It's quite some stat. Oh, it's something else now. Yeah. Something else. Look, you can talk about the ammo all day, but you got to go and do it. And he's doing it consistently. Well, to be fair... I mean, we've talked about Saeed Ben Saroor already and we've talked about Charlie Appleby and plenty of others. It's not like Godolphin aren't throwing a lot of money to try and get Derby winners. They're not bringing them yeah. through. Aidan O'Brien is. you got to go and do it, lads. you got to go and do it. And he's doing it consistently. Uh, he's going to be a very long odds-on favourite to go and match the all-time greats and the legendary names. I mean, he's already matched Vincent, but you would imagine he'll... Now, there was a long time between High Chaparral and, was it Australia? Um... But he'll or Camelot, long time between us, between High Chaparral and and, uh, and Camelot. But there's plenty more derbies to come for Aidan O'Brien. Yeah, and I think with Galileo just being so dominant at the moment, you just know that he's going to have mm. four or five contenders pretty much every year. Might won't win it every year, but he's going to be bang there. Liddy Hislop's going to be on with us for our Royal Ascot review. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Lydia did one of the best and most open and honest interviews with the jockey, which is probably why it lasted as long as it did, because once Porik Beggy started talking, you couldn't stop him. And it hasn't always been easy for him, and he was quite open and honest about that. He was honest with Lydia, and he was honest in the in the press scrum as well uh, about what has gone on in the past. And I thought the fact that he was paying respect to Michael Hussey and his other friend, Chris, name, Gagan. And Chris Gagan, mm. who got him the job at Ballydoyle, to give so much credit to Aiden, um, but you had an amazing stat. How many winners has he ridden in the last couple of years? Since he made the comeback from the ban, the year ban, he has ridden. That was his fourth winner. That's insane. In since the, the beginning of he got the license back in kind of late 2015. <laughs> He's had four winners. One of them being Hydrangea in the Irish 1000 Guineas this he year. He was beating a short head. 1000 Guineas he was, trial. He was beating a short head in the Moigler. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, and, and Hydrangea. When uh, Donica got up on, on Hydrangea. Yeah. Um, Donica got up on, sorry, on intricately. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's just, a, it's just a fantastic story. And, you know, sometimes when Aidan and Ryan will say win a big race, there's some, you know, some people are, oh, oh, here we go again, you know. But this really injected something different into the mix didn't it yeah and like that interview that, that he did with Lydia was top class you'd swear the fella had been doing big race post race interviews all his life um, he just just came across really well didn't he so easy for him but he spoke so honestly and openly as well and he just he's a fascinating character I mean he's clearly a very very talented jockey as well and look when you're at Aidan O'Brien's yard you are going to be given opportunities it's just you're not going to get a large quantity of them. But when you do, you'll get something that's quality. And then it's your chance to go and, and take it, your opportunity to go and take that. And he has on Hydrangea in the in the 1000 Guineas trial. Um, and he has on Wings of Eagles in the Derby as well. Um, he's obviously going to be behind Ryan and Shamey and Donica and Scobie when he's riding and not riding for Jessica. Um, but he's 
maybe it's another example of just how good the Ballydoyle operation are, that they have these riders that they can call upon who are capable of performing on the big day. Yeah, it's just it's just an unbelievable story. To get to, to ride in the race, you know, never mind win it, was a story in itself because, you know, you talk about the ups and downs, like he was, he was a very good apprentice. You know, he was, I think, third or fourth in an apprentice championship. Things mm. went a bit quiet for him. Well, Had you've a, made this point before about when you lose your claim, how difficult it is, and yeah, it was difficult for him. Prime example, he, he his performance dipped right down, bit of a resurgence, got going again, but then went quiet again, went to England, north of England, never got going over there, two years, took off travelling, you know, rode in, Mal- in Malaysia, a couple of other places, I think, answered an ad in the paper for a work rider in Australia, took off there, was doing really well, and then he failed a test for cocaine and I got a, a year ban, well, 15 months, reduced to a year if he did counselling, which he duly did. He came home, got that job with Bally Doyle and uh, yeah, and here we are. He won the derby. <laughs> oh, it's just mad. It's phenomenal. You know, all that, that that roller coaster he's been through, he's only, he's, he's 31. So he's not an old boy by any means. Yeah. He's, uh, God, he's had a career. I talk, talk about ups and downs, by God. Like, it's a great job to be associated at Belly Doyle and just to be a, a work writer there because for a lot of people that's the pinnacle like you're getting to work with these uh, blue blood equine athletes who are red in the purple they're going to be potentially champion stallions champion mares and you get to work with those horses every day he has the opportunity on occasion to go and ride these horses in races as well and I like the fact that he didn't big himself up that he turned around and, and said look Thank you so very much, Dave O'Brien. Thank you to Michael Hussey for getting me this job. Thank you, Dave O'Brien, for for backing me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to Derek Smith and Michael Tabor and yeah. and John Magner for giving me the opportunity to ride today. Oh, because at the end of the day, every jockey is only they're they're a hostage to opportunity. Mm. He's you a know, humble he, young man, though. Oh yeah, I thought he just came across really well. Yeah, came Class across act. really well. Class act and a humble young man. Rice, fantastic weekend for him. Uh, the weekend itself was soured. Oh. by a fool whose name I will not mention we on the show we won't give this much time because man. he's been given enough publicity already oh. um, you write and you argue in your article on atheracist.com that the real victim of all this is Gina Mangan it's hard to argue with that oh, terrible story awful idea the use of charity to try and justify it now is just so how much money did they raise for one of the most prestigious and well known charities in the world £440 Ah, oh, but lads, if, if she'd if she'd run, it would have gone up so much more. He was given the opportunity to do an interview on camera on the day. How many times did he mention the Just Giving page? Zero. Just a farce of a story. The, the BHA now just need to learn from this and get in a rule pretty lively. At, uh... And of course, there's also the Alex Jones-style conspiracy that the horse was was damaged. Not to the horse's long-term welfare which he had to be asked about. He didn't... He wasn't talking about the horse's long-term welfare himself. He had to be asked about that, point blank. Well, will the horse have a race again? Oh, yeah, yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. Um, he also has no proof, no witness testimony that anybody did anything to the horse. No, Just, he's talking shit. Absolutely, shite. he is. At one yeah. stage, he called her the people's champion. At another stage, he said he was going to talk to the Queen about it to express his displeasure. Right. Yes, that is, that's right. And also... Uh, this uh, was the phrase in in the Guardian. Uh, this famous horse. It's only oh, yeah. famous for one reason. Yes. 
joke. Uh, yeah, look, the BHA just needs to bring in a minimum race performance standard to, 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 to be allowed to run in grade ones, group ones, because it's just silly. This sort of thing will happen again. We're in an age of attention-seeking lunatics and this type of thing will happen again. And you can follow us, attention-seeking lunatics, on Twitter, <laughs> at Kevin Blake 2011 at Radio Emmet. Uh, that's it. We're done. Um, Gina Mangan, by the way, the point you were making was that she doesn't deserve that. She didn't do anything wrong. Oh, imagine how she feels. How embarrassing that is. The BHA say you're, you're basically not competent enough to, to guarantee, you know, you, you would endanger the safety of others, such as your lack of competence. That's just a horrendous thing. Here's one for you. If they were to bring in a minimum requirement of winners, Porek Beggy might not have been able to ride in that race. Oh, yeah, look, that's ah, look, that's a very different case, obviously. But, you know, he'd ridden over, well over 100 winners. But like, Yeah, but if you were to say so in the last couple of years, if yeah, that was the requirement. Yeah, look, ah, the, the, it's all it's just silly stuff. They just need to bring in... A, that you can't you can't run in a grade one a group one sorry unless you're rated you know 80 plus if you don't have a mark the handicapper assesses you based on what you've done and if you're not over 80 plus you can't run yeah simple it just stops and look of course you still get a, a stupid case of a horse that's rated 82 that's run 25 times might yeah. want to run but at least you'll avoid the real ridiculous cases like this yeah absolute lunatics driving them it didn't take away from what was a brilliant weekend's racing though where we had a fantastic it would have been a distraction all day if, if she'd actually run oh it really would have been it really would have been but instead we ended up with a fantastic visual spectacle in the Oaks with the thunderstorm and the downpour of rain um, and a fantastic performance from Enable we had a brilliant performance from Highland Reel we had a, a great performance from a tough little horse in Sovereign Debt and then we had a, another visual spectacle in the Derby, which was run at a frenetic pace and was fought out by the market leaders. And then that 40 to one shot comes and does them on the line. Um, it was just a fantastic weekend. We call it a weekend, Friday, yeah. Saturday of racing. Just absolutely brilliant. Throw in Sunday as well. Throw in the, the at the races cameras on Sunday for the French Derby. It was brilliant. Yeah, just, just showcase all that's good. It really well, did. The yeah, pit just showcased all yeah. the shite. But this was... This this was good stuff. Yeah. A really good showcase for the sport. 100%. Start to finish. Uh, we're back with you next week. And we'll do another Final Forum podcast. You have managed to get more five-star ratings. Yeah, cheers. Lads. On Apple Podcasts, as they're telling us to now call it. Keep them coming, lads. Please we- refer to this as Apple Podcasts and no longer iTunes. Um, yeah, a couple more would be nice, lads. We'll always take them. Uh, borrow those phones, steal them, do what you need to do. Uh, we need to. We should run some sort of competition. You know, we people have to give us a review and put in like the the keyword into the review. And whoever you know, pick them out of a hat and give them a nice prize. Okay, but that's not very fair to the people who've already given us five star reviews. Well, they just need to steal a phone and give us another. <sighs> Tough but unfair. Kevin Blake just never happy. He's never really happy, do you? Is he? Never happy. Miserable human being. It's just <laughs> always more. Uh, what else have you got for us in at the races this week? Who to do? I'm over on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, afternoon shift on Saturday, Sunday forum in the morning and afternoon shift. Car Saturday, Sunday. Two good cars. Yeah, good weekend uh, at the car. We're going to Acapulco uh, is going to run on Sunday. I haven't seen the entries yet. Yes, I do believe Acapulco is going to run. I, we were actually asked by one of our listeners that I think he's on a stag do and going to Leopardstown on Thursday. And so he was asking us to talk about the um, the races there. So there's two listed races. Uh, on oh, would, Sunday evening, this, no. um, Portage. Oh, the old Portage. Yeah, yeah, he could be coming out. 
which would be very, very interesting if he's making his seasonal reappearance. That'll be a listed race. And then there's Iron Mountain, sort of in the lands here, a bit of the Wisconsin, some of the, the nearly horses. Mm. Yeah, they'll be running in the, it's a mile four King George V Cup. Uh, but Sunday, well, that's where the, that's where the good stuff is. That's where the proper stuff is at the Curragh. So we've got the uh, Ballygown Stakes, the Group 3, and we've got the Equestrian Silver Stakes, the listed race. So the Group 3 features Acapulco, um, who apparently will run here in her prep for Ryle Ascot. So she'll most likely be a very short press favourite. And then the Equestrian Silver Stakes, um, our old favourite Duchess of Florence, who won for us oh, when yeah. we were on ATR on the, uh, on the Getting. Uh, a couple of months back uh, Ivanovich Gorbatov holds an entry as well good lord hmm Johannes Vermeer uh, still knocking around uh, for Aidan O'Brien um, I can try and give you a winner if you like go we want it at the Curra on Sunday little clarinet Tremor Dave Murnan time uh, 2.45 nice um, had a few quid on her time before last over six she ran very well things didn't go right um, left her last time with the car I thought a mile might stretch her and I'd say it just did you know she ran very well but I'd say it just stretched her a little bit and she's back to seven furlongs Philly's only company uh, she won't be a mental price but it's likely to be a big field competitive handicap so as long as she's drawn relatively low um, yeah I think she'd take a bit of beating there alright uh, Rick Rento the sire yeah, lovely filly. Mm. Real nice filly. I think she'll continue to improve, to be fair to her. All right. That's the winner for the weekend, so and Kevin Like It's a quite enough weekend's racing, actually, in terms of quality, oh, with yeah. the exception of that, that Curra card with Acapulco running. Hey, and... Look, as we saw this this afternoon, the next big story, the next big talking point is never far away in this great game. Absolute fact. Absolute fact from Kevin Blake. D, thank you very much as always. You're very welcome. Uh, I don't think you've too many edits to do. Just a small <laughs> You can get out early, I think. I hope so. I think you can. We'll see if you notice the edits. Uh, Kevin Blake, pleasure as always. We'll chat to you again next week. And Thank enjoy you, at the races and particularly the Sunday Forum, which of course you can watch back for free if you miss it on the at the races app. And there will be fireworks, I'd say, because one M Chapman is 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 uh, chairing it. And it's myself, Ozzy Jim and Gay Kellaway. And the last time myself, oh. Ozzy Jim and Gay Kellaway were on, you all got a bit saucy, lads. You all went for it. She sent in a tweet to John Hunt one day saying, basically, basically taking umbrage with something and John didn't seem to be too amused yeah, by Gay it. Gay Kellaway does not mess about. She Fireworks. very opinionated. She's not afraid to give it. And it's always, uh, always good fun now because you need to be on your toes with Gay. That's what we love. Uh, Sunday morning, at the races if you miss it watch it back on the At the Races app for free whenever you want from D, from Kevin and from me thank you very much for tuning in Mapoden I did not know it quite that well it's a joke from Brooklyn Nine-Nine I'm Mapoden I don't know it uh, see you next week <laughs> on behalf of all the listeners what? <laughs> Captain Holt Captain Raymond Holt what? Um, it's a beautiful sunny so Tuesday evening in Cork um, London was Shook to the core on Saturday night. I have no idea what to say. I honestly don't. It's getting to the point where there are no words at this stage. Uh, I have friends who were Karen, Ellen, and Alan. Um, Karen has just qualified to be a guard, which is a police officer in Ireland. She just walked over the bridge with the two of them 20 minutes before it. I have cousins, uh, friends obviously from ATR. Uh, Brendan and, and his wife were over there as well. Um, I don't know what to say. There's, there's just no sense to it. 
Um, the only thing to say is that London is far stronger than those people and those cowards. And uh, it's a stronger city and it's a city of diversity and of great culture and of great history. And it'll take an awful lot more than that to stop them. Thoughts on everybody. Thanks for listening. Be kind to everybody. Be safe out there. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.